Hey, it's Heaven, and welcome to the Sandbag Queen Show, where we talk about all things health from the inside out. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hey guys, welcome to the Sandbag Queen Show. Today I am recording with Trevor Bunch, and he is from Instagram, which it seems like almost all of my guests are from Instagram because that's a great place to meet awesome people. So today we're going to be talking about his unique experience and we will get into it as he's talking, but I'm really excited to hear his perspective. And I think this is going to encourage and inspire everyone listening. So with that being said, welcome to the show, Trevor. How are you? Hey, I'm pretty good. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. I'm, I'm Yeah, I'm really excited for this. Me too. Quite a quite a cool world we live in where it's like this is Trevor. He's from Instagram. Like what <laughs> <laughs> awesome connections. It. Yes, it makes uh, it makes things so I want to say convenient, but also really uh exciting because you get yeah. to meet people that you never would have met otherwise. Good connections, yeah. Yeah. So I want to start with your story for people who are listening and who don't know who you are, what you're about, and what your story is. Can you give us kind of the the brief summation of your story and what led you to where you are today? Oh boy. Um, all right. Look, 20 <laughs> second elevator pitch. Let's go. Um, <laughs> so I am a double above the knee amputee and a fitness coach. I was born missing both of my tibias and uh, my parents had the option to let me stay as I was at that point and possibly use like braces, orthopedic braces to get around in life, but also know that I would never really be able to walk, would be confined to a wheelchair most of the time or at least have to use like two crutches, that sort of thing. So there was that option, or they said we can amputate both of his legs above the knee and he can wear prostheses and have a chance to get around in life that way. And that was the, the route that they took. So I was always pretty physically inclined growing up, took a lot of trips to my prosthesis, aka leg guy, to fix stuff that I'd broken in the course of just growing up an active young man who didn't know any different and wanted to you know keep up with my with my peers you know playing on the playground doing that sort of thing PE class and that sort of thing and as I uh, you know as I grew up I stayed very physically inclined I wrestled a little bit in high school sophomore through senior year uh, eventually took second in the state of Missouri then and won a national championship after that became a fitness coach around age 21 so about 11 years ago now and it, about five or six years ago started really recognizing that people with limb loss uh, like myself tend to be tend to be relegated in terms of their physical function and capacity to you know what the textbook says and as somebody who has uh, lived outside of that and witnessed others live outside of that and seen what goes into helping somebody get to where living with an amputation using a prosthesis to get around in everyday life 
is a very real thing for people. I've worked to systematize that and incorporate it as exercise. So my goal is to help people get from their physical therapy, occupational therapy, whatever, into real life, into real life functionality. That's so, awesome. That's so cool. I have, well, I have a question from, from that, what you said, mm -hmm. but first I have a cousin who was, he fought in the war, uh, 9-11. He was hit by a roadside bomb and lost one of his limbs, his leg. And he, watching him recover from that, he was very young when it happened, you know, 20 or, or so, but watching him recover from that and go on to run mar half marathons and climb Mount Kilimanjaro and all of these crazy things is so inspiring to me. And we'll get in depth in a little bit, but I just want to say right out the gate that the fact that you are where you are and you didn't let this limit you is so inspiring. And I think more people need to number one, follow you. And number two, recognize that we set our limits so much lower than they could be. And watching somebody do the things that you do should inspire everybody to get off the couch and move their bodies. So I just want to say that I think you're amazing, obviously, but also very inspiring. So as you were talking, I was Thank thinking, you. you're welcome. <laughs> um, I really appreciate that. Yeah. Oh yeah, of course. As you were talking about growing up, now I actually didn't know your story fully. I didn't know if there was an accident or if you were born without your legs. So growing up as a child without your legs, what, how did you, did you have really encouraging, were your parents really encouraging? Like, did you have really good support around you? Did you compare yourself to other kids? Like, what was that like? How did you handle that mentally? Very, very good question there. Cause it, it's a really, really dynamic answer, you know? So my parents were generally always very, yeah, not, not even generally, they were always supportive flat out of whatever it was that I wanted to do. And even though growing up, my first real athletic pursuit was actually like a wheelchair racing on the track um, and, and doing like distance events. And I did that for a little bit, but the organization at the time was, was very loosely organized. So it didn't really stick, you know, there weren't really consistent events in that, but my parents always wanted me to find ways to do the things that my, my peers were doing if I wanted to do them. So, you know, they helped me by finding like a specialized bike that I could use to, or a tricycle that I could use and pedal my, with my arms. They were always supportive of that sort of stuff. And then I also had my prosthetist well, at the time was, was Shriners Hospital for Children. And, and they're an amazing nonprofit organization that system of hospitals that actually provides prosthetics uh, to kids who need them and other medical care too. And not just for kids with limb loss, but also burn victims, people with other orthopedic and brain injuries, all, all sorts of across a whole range up to the age of 18. So when I was going and wrecking my stuff, like one way or the other, jumping off the jungle gym or doing something crazy like that. I was, I had prosthetists who were like, you know, Hey, he's going to be a kid. We, we can't not let him be a kid and do the things that he wants to do. And then like, as I, as I got older, that system of support kind of continually evolved. When I wrestled in high school, my wrestling coaches at the time 
were like, we've never seen a kid with no legs here. We've seen it as had been a thing before, but you know, we've never, we've never coached one. We'll figure it out. We'll make it happen. You know, that's awesome. Yeah. Just been a continually evolving system of support from all sides. And, and I think that that's really, that's really important and a great thing for not just growing up with limb loss, but also for people who have acquired it as well. Right. Hope that answered the question. It was kind of a multi-dimensional thing. So I wanted to yeah, make sure. I you did. That, there was a cool. lot there, but did you ever compare yourself to other kids who had legs or was that um, like, you just so, didn't see the point? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I have like one instance in my mind of that actually really happening where it made like a real big difference. And I can't recall if that was like over a longer period of time, but I I specifically remember like one day going home when I was like eight or nine years old, maybe, and being like, mom, what, why didn't, why, why, why is this like this? What the heck? And, you know, my mom was very comforting and consoling in the whole thing. And was just like, this is this is how it happened and this is what we have and you're gonna make the best of it you know I don't know that that was exactly it but that's (laughs) where I'm at now that's what I got out of it (laughs) 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 and you know there were times where there were like you know little PE activities and the one that I specifically did not like the most was like duck duck goose because when you (laughs) don't have any legs getting up from the seated position on the floor and then starting to run and try and chase somebody around a circle is that's a very demanding task oh my gosh (laughs) and so there were kids who would feel, you know, be, be like kids who just wanted to be mean, you know, and would pick me and I would be like stuck doing that repeatedly oh until, until the teacher like broke it up. But I also was able to, on the flip side of that, my school had allowed me to work with like, who I now recognize as like an occupational, maybe like recreational therapist who would come in every so often for a while. Maybe it was every week. Then it was like every other week, once a month, whatever, and help me find ways to make modifications to the activities that we were playing in PE class. And so that was another side of that. Yeah. That's awesome. So I didn't really so harshly deal with like comparing myself you know through elementary school there was a little bit of that and then once I got involved in like wrestling in high school and I made it my own it wasn't even a thing anymore that's so cool I just it it really blows my mind and this is why I love talking to people like you because people like myself I struggled with accepting my body for years. I'm 33 now. I'm almost 34. And it wasn't until about probably two, two or three years ago when I really was accepting of my body and specifically my legs, oddly enough, I just would always find faults and flaws and all these things that I didn't like. And I think one day I remember specifically I was cleaning my table off and I was going over all the negative self-talk that I had for years and I just stopped myself and I thought, what if I didn't even have legs? And I talked to myself all the time. So I was like, heaven, what if you didn't even have legs? Could you even imagine that? And of course, having my cousin who is missing a leg, that probably played into it because I would see him, you know, just fully embracing his life. And I was over here just complaining. And, Mm -hmm. 
And it was just like this aha moment for me that was so powerful because I, in that moment, in that instant decided, you know what? I'm just grateful. I have my legs. I'm not even, I'm not even going to complain anymore. I don't even care. I'm just so thankful that I have them. And it was just like that instant. So talking to people that struggle with completely different issues and still embrace life is so powerful. It's just amazing. I love it so much. I'm so glad I'm talking to you. So you became a health coach after what you were said you were like 21 when you became okay. a health coach. So I was I was about 21 at the time. Um, I was working in retail job for uh, a store that is orange in color and maybe referred to as you know the orange box at some time. And I was in school, but I had always not really gravitated towards school, and I, I don't want to like undermine my intelligence and in saying that but I right. school just school and I just never really got along and then especially <laughs> when I was in college looking at courses like you know trying to take college algebra originally I wanted to be a like a psychology major but then I realized that I had to take all of these other you know very basic college credit courses that had nothing to do with the thing that I was interested in so I didn't really do a great job of just like sticking that out for the purpose of sticking it out um right <laughs> yeah then I, I um you know I was on my I was on my way downtown with a friend to do what tw- uh, 21 year olds do and he had just gotten his like personal training certificate and he's just talking about how sweet of a gig it was when he was really just trying to talk it up for himself a little bit because once I started it I realized how tough it is to actually <laughs> make it work but I got my certificate uh, certificate to train a couple of months later and started working for a gym and yeah that was that was kind of the start of my uh fitness coaching career. Okay. So has your approach to health changed over the years? I mean, it's been 11 years. So when you first started, what was your approach like and how has it morphed over the years? Oh yeah. When I took the certification course, my method was read the book back to front, take my own notes on the whole thing. And then I just started to, I was about halfway through, I started taking practice tests and then I was taking practice tests on the certification exam repeatedly until I was getting like 96s and above on a consistent basis. And so I was really boxed into my like, this is how fitness works, you know, through the yeah. through the textbook, mm-hmm. you know, and then I abided by that to like a fault, which was probably, you know, like to the point where I was I was going through my assessments with people and telling them like, almost the same thing it was like wait everybody if everybody has the same like issues does does uh you know as far as like mobility and their ability to move through space you know we're going doing like squat assessments and getting really in depth with it and saying oh you've got these muscles that are tight and these that are weak and all this other stuff i recognize i'm like i'm telling everybody this and if everybody has an issue does anybody have an issue um, <laughs> And, and, and I, and so that is in a nutshell, a little bit of that sort of evolution, but, and on a lot of other fronts as well, you know, I used to be, you know, very boxed in as far as thinking about approaches to nutrition and how people needed to go about that. 
and how, how the people needed to go about changing that. And then I recognize that it's, it's a pretty consistently moving target that is affected by a lot of different factors for a lot of different people in, in a lot of different capacities. You've got people who, you know, things are absolutely insane in their lives and they do a great job on, on their nutrition and their fitness. And then you got, you know, people who you have what I visualize as all this free time and space and ability to go do workout and pay attention to how you're eating. And you absolutely choose not to, Um, you know, so, so then there's like the evolution of like how to deal with people on a behavioral front as well. Isn't that Um, amazing? That for me was the biggest transition from when I first started personal training to then actually doing health coaching and things of that nature. It really comes down to that mental and behavioral habit issue. It's, it's crazy. Absolutely. And then growing as a person (laughs) during Mm -hmm. that period of time, because I've been doing it for a significant amount of time now through my own life transitions and observing how, like, just in retrospect, how I dealt with some people like five plus years ago versus how I deal with them now. Mm -hmm. I'm like, man, I probably, you know, could have, could have, uh, exercise a little bit more empathy or compassion or just like, <laughs> like what I'm growing up to now, yeah. you know, that's true. It's so yeah. True. So. so do you have any routines that, uh, help keep you on the right track? So as far as my habits, my routines go, I'm not super strict in my scheduling of my habits and routines, but I, but I make sure to check the same boxes on a regular basis that that's exactly it is is it's not that I have to wake up at 4 30 every morning and go you know I like I'll make fun of uh Jocko Willis here you know like I don't have to go wake up that early every day and go out the garage and and murder myself and you know (laughs) check in like that but that works for some people and that's that's the way that people are best suited to to incorporate those routines into their lives exactly that's not me i make sure that i read pretty much i I read every day i work i do something physical every day i do something to further i take at least what i can say is a step forward in in my my personal my business family life Mm -hmm. areas every single day and i just figure out what it is that i can do to get I say, I, I hate to even quantify it, but 1% better, you yeah. know, on a regular basis. And I keep that as top of mind when I'm creating my day. You know, I, I don't wake up at the same time every single day and I don't go to bed at the same time every single night. There's some nights like last night, I was up really late, but I was working and I was putting, putting in time on my, on my website and on my client training programs and working on new products that I'm hoping to move forward here with shortly. That just so happened to, you know, start aspiring after like midnight last night, you know? And so I don't have like, you know, these, these blocks of time that I'm very strict about super delegating. I have the things I need to get done today. I I scheduled, I set aside time for this. I built this in the best that I, you know, I could, and I'll get everything else around it. Um, (laughs) I feel like that's me too. I, but I, I do long for like, just based on personality, I do long for that 
intense structure. I really like it, but because of where I'm at in life right now, it's just not a thing. I have four kids and school has been out. Well, COVID really backed up a lot of things. So this stage of life, I have had to learn to be really fluid and, but the same thing, checking off the boxes. So that reminded me that you did 75 hard. And I actually think that I found you after you did 75 hard, because I didn't know that you had done it until today. So I was like, I was creeping on your feed and I'm like, oh, he did 75 hard. That's awesome. Let's chat about 75 hard. When did you do it and why? So I did it from, uh, I'd say September to November of last year, 2020. And I was just, I think like a lot of other people at that time, um, kind of concluding a, uh, dark night of the soul so to speak um (laughs) not to get woo woo but uh last year was was super super challenging for me in a lot of ways you know so i i at some point had to just like shut it down and hit the reset button and uh that seemed like a good way to go about it and you know there wasn't really anything I, I don't want to, I don't want to say like it was, was easy, but I was just like, well, if you're not going to do it now, when are you going to do it? So it doesn't matter what you've got going on in your life. You can, you can make that program happen. Yeah. Um, and I was just like, well, let's do that. And that'll be my giant reset button on this whole period during all the COVID lockdowns and stuff. And I, you know, by the time I started 75 hard, my life was back to normal, you know, was Uh, it? Okay. Well, I'm from California, so we're still not. I'm sorry about that. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) man. I've never been more upset about living in California. It's been dude. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's okay. Rough. That's well, that, and that that's a whole yeah. different conversation too, right? And so yeah, I started in August of last year, and it was uh, the same exact thing. I had really let myself go mentally and emotionally and physically, and like all the things. So like, if you've, I don't know, I don't even know if you follow me honestly, but yes. I had a, a before and after, but I did like an entire video like picture video. So it went from day one to day, I actually did 90 days the first time. So day one through 90 and the progress was insane. Like it was so amazing. I had the best transformation physically and mentally, emotionally, all of it was so incredible. And it was around that same time period that uh, you did yours. Mm -hmm. It was crazy. So were you always a reader? It's funny, you know, that we mentioned like the habits and routine and kind of then led into the 75 hard convo because I love to read. I'm looking at four books right now that I've got on my dresser, but when I'm in it, I'm in it. And when I'm out of it, I'm just not even doing it. Like, (laughs) but I've come to recognize that my ability to communicate with people, my ability to just even interpret the world around me and what I see and what I experience is enhanced when I'm spending a lot of time reading, you know, and whatever it is that I'm reading. Uh, That was one of the things that I I actually kind of struggled with in 75 hard because I do well with personal development content, but I need it in my own like timing and, and space. And, and there was like this balance that I had to, had to walk of, you know, 
I can only do so much Andy Frisella so intensely all the time, you know, <laughs> and, I, and I love him and I love and I won't yeah. detract anything from that man because he's had such an amazing impact on my life and a lot of other people's. But when it's like that same yeah. intensity and level all the time, I'm just like, okay, I, I need to figure out what nonfiction or personal slash business development book can I read that is not going to just make me feel awful if I'm not waking up and just killing, crushing, executing <laughs> every single day, you know? And he, he talks about that because there's the days that you don't feel like it. And those are the days that count the most. And that's almost even a cliche for me at this point. I don't even want to say that because each day is its own individual struggle, but you know, we find ways to fight through and move on. But it's when you just recognize that that's all part of the process of growing forward. That was a challenge for me in the, in the program, but particularly, but like the working out, the eating, all that was relatively seamless integration for right now. Yeah. I, I would say the water was the hardest for me getting yeah. it. And it might just be because I'm small, like I have a, a I'm not like a, a big person. I don't feel like I need a lot of water, but right. I, it's also kind of a more, it was more of a habit issue because I would forget to drink water prior yeah. to 75 hard. I would just not drink it. Like I, I wouldn't get thirsty, so I wouldn't right. have it. Or I would like, I would think, oh man, I need water. And then one of my kids would interrupt me and I would totally forget that I was even <laughs> thirsty. So I am have recently come to find out that I am, pretty sure I have ADHD. And if I don't technically have it, I have all of the tendencies of it. So it would be weird if I didn't have it. But right. um, that's one of those things where like, if I get interrupted, I lose my train of thought, and then it goes out the window. And so uh, the water was a real issue. So I had to that's figure true. out how to make that one work for sure. Do you have any favorite books, though, before we get off the book topic? The last book that I read and really really loved was the happiness hypothesis by Jonathan Haidt. I really I really enjoyed that one and that one came to me as a recommendation from like some list that was purported to be like Joe Rogan's top 5 favorite books or something okay. just to give you, you know, the general idea. That was one that I really really enjoyed and helped me provide a lot of perspective and and it was one that I actually read as part of 75 hard. That's one that I would actually go back and reread at this point, oh. to be honest. I did pick a lot out of it that uh, that really just worked for me in that season of my life. I'm trying to think about other books that I, I read last year, because I read 21, 22 books last year. That was a pretty strict, like the year before, approximately two, maybe, you know? <laughs> That's awesome though. Yeah. So, so I was, and that's what I, what I mean when I say like, I'm either in it or I'm, <laughs> I'm not, but I've recognized that when I'm doing it regularly, my uh, whole life is enhanced <laughs> by it. And then like, I, and I had to go back and look, like you'd think that I would be able to name more of them off the top of my head, but I read a bunch last year. Yeah, so it's, it's a matter of being able to retain a ton of it. Another one that I really enjoyed was thinking fast and slow. And that's by, uh, Daniel Kahneman. That's an intense read, but I think that when it comes to working with individuals uh, on a daily basis, and, yeah, I think just forming the baseline for your communication with other people and understanding about all of the different perspectives and ways that people view things and how things 
tend to flow through the human mind and be mm. interpreted is huge. That was a really good book as well. Those are, those are the top two for right now, for real. Okay. I'm writing them down. I'm pretty sure I have that Thinking Fast and Slow book. It's a pretty thick one, isn't it? Yeah, it's about uh, like 460 pages, I think. Okay. Used to be like a big e-reader. And that was, I, I just recognized that last year, obviously I read 20 some books. I wasn't near that productive when I was looking at it on a screen, you know, so having it in my hands was, uh, was really helpful. It's um, amazing the difference that makes. I've never been able to really get into e-reading. I think I've only read one book fully on an e-reader, but I was, <laughs> I'm kind of an I don't know. I don't I wouldn't say a nerd, but I worked at a library for quite a few <laughs> years. It was one of my favorite jobs, but just having the book in your hands and actually flipping the pages, there have been studies that show that your ability to retain the information increases greatly when you hold the book and you can remember because it's a sequential process. So right. you can actually remember things based on where you were in the book just by holding it and flipping the pages. So it's actually a lot better for you to yeah, just having that tangibility. Mm -hmm. um, so and that's another thing. Like, it, it's funny because you, you asked me about my favorite books. And I'm just like, I, I'm a guy who read 20 something books last year. And admittedly, at the beginning of this year, I kind of tailed off in my reading and I've only gotten back into it in the last like month and change. Mm. So that's been another another thing is like I, I had to rebuild that into my routine and into what I was doing. So I, I kind of went through a little lull there and now I'm back on the other side. <laughs> um <laughs> You're reading a lot. You're taking a lot in. It's hard to remember it all. I want to get to where I'm highlighting stuff, being able to, you know, creasing pages and, and going back and rereading consistently yeah. to, to better retain things. I'm one of those people that tries to not highlight so much because if you highlight everything, nothing's important. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. You have to, um, I have to be the one that like dials it back. Okay. I don't have to highlight this. It's right. okay. And that's it for me too, is because when I was doing the e-reading, I was highlighting a lot of stuff, but then I, I'd have whole pages or, or paragraph long passages yeah. that I highlighted. And I'm like, that's not conducive to retaining it. No. And that's, that's another thing I will argue with people who say they read like a book a week or, you know, a book every two days. Yeah. How much of that are you actually retaining? And putting to use too. That's what right. I found when I was taking in so much information, I had to dial it back because I was, dude, it was like podcasts, audio books, regular books, like as much information as I could get. I was like trying to soak it all in. And I realized that it wasn't working. I wasn't retaining half of what I was trying to put into my head. So I really had to go do that same thing. Like question, is this I'm trying to shove all this into my head. Is it even sticking? And it wasn't, right. it wasn't sticking. So right. I have to really dial that back. And I think that there's a, a good balance in that for, yeah. for everybody. And that's kind of what I was saying, like about struggling with taking in too much personal development stuff at too great of an intensity. If you're able to just live that at that level all the time, and, and clearly that's what those people are doing to be that <laughs> successful. But if that's what you're doing, then what are you actually executing? What are you really retaining at the end of the day? What's the bottom line look like? Uh, well, and especially in this day and age, you've got all these people who have the social media highlight reel going on. Yeah. And I'm like, are you 
are you actually executing these things or are you curating an image that makes it look like you are you know that's <laughs> um, so true I just try to look back at every single day as like did I do the most that I could have to continue moving myself and these objectives that I have forward is there a short-term thing that I move forward on is there a more immediate term thing that I move forward on did I save some money did I make a good investment did I get a new training client those sorts of things and I don't wake up every single day necessarily saying I'm going to do x y and z it's like can I look back and say that these things have happened and try and take something positive from every single day, even if it wasn't a positive day, you know? Good. And, and, and at the end of some days, that might just be, I closed my eyes and then I opened them again sometime later and I'm alive, you know? <laughs> yep. I do um, Some yeah. days are like that for sure. Obviously try to take as much tangible positive from every single day and move myself forward that's what counts to me you know so I know I kind of like segued through quite the conversation there I would rather just focus on doing it and do the best that I can the best that I know how than worry about what other people have going on or comparing myself or operating at at a certain level like that you know yeah I actually also love Andy Frisilla and I'm so grateful for the program he created because it literally changed my life but I had to stop listening to him because I found myself getting overly intense and I have a really intense personality anyways. So I'm kind of one of those all or nothing, like hardcore yeah. people. And so yeah. listening to him was not the good balance that I needed. <laughs> well, so my- that's, that's it. I love it. And I try to listen to every single podcast episode that I possibly can. And I need to go back and like, listen to some old MF CEO or something, yeah. but also it's like, Yeah, if you're already an intense type of person who is doing things that you are, you know, doing every day to further your life, your brand, your family, those sorts of things, adding that in isn't always a positive thing. He's great for just about everybody. Mm -hmm. Honestly, he's not for everybody. There probably is somebody out there for everybody. But Andy Frisella, he will tell you too, he is not for everybody. And if you're not trying to do X, Y, and Z, then you probably aren't going to enjoy it. But I I do, but I have also found similar to you. Like if I take too much of that in at a given point, it's not a, not a positive thing for me. So I'll listen to the episodes, but I'm listening to them across four car rides rather than the day it comes out. And the second I get the notification, now that I'm talking about it, I'm thinking that there was a recent episode that he talked a little bit about balance and, you know, what scale is perfectly balanced when it's at zero? And I'm like, okay, so I'm not seeking balance, but I just know that that doesn't add quite what I need all the time, you know? Right. I think uh, for me, I was getting excessively angry. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah? Okay, good. I'm not alone. (laughs) I, I, I I think if he's here right now, he'd say good. Yeah, right, probably. But it was like... I don't know, because I do have anger issues anyways, and I've been working so hard at dealing with those. When you have kids, you can't, like, having anger issues is not a good thing. So I was finding myself snapping at them or just straight up yelling sometimes. And I was like, okay, this is not healthy. I need to dial it back. Even Jocko, I I love, like, oh my gosh, if I, my dad passed away when I was 21, 
And Jocko to me is like a father figure. Like he was so much like my dad was that everything he says, I'm just like, I love this man from afar. Um, But even some of his stuff is so intense that I, I would find myself gravitating quickly to that like massive, aggressive personality that is mm-hmm. not so good. As right. I'm supposed yeah. to be a loving, compassionate mom. <laughs> yes. And yes, I was hyper aggressive. So I did have to dial it back quite a bit. Yeah. That works for Jocko because he is, he's the product of that system yes. that he has grown and evolved in and where, where we're at in our lives right now, you know, I won't be Andy Frisella because I would like to get to my own version of that. Let me, let me just charter a private jet to Arizona for me and 14 of my friends, you know, that would be amazing. Let's do it. Kind of goes back to the comparison thing from earlier in the conversation is just like, if I had been as a kid comparing myself to all the other kids who were running and jumping and and performing in the the physical capacities they were, and I wasn't able to, then I was just going to be miserable all the time. But then once I figured out ways to like, okay, you know, when I was a kid, I wasn't able to to really run. Now I can because I, I have prosthetics that allow me to do that. And so I've found ways to make it work. But if you're focused on comparing yourself to whatever, you know, me to, uh, you know, Andy Frisella or to Jocko or living that life at that level of intensity and trying to be like that person, then always going to be disappointed. Absolutely. You know? That's so good. I'm so glad we went there with this conversation. That one was hard for me to like <laughs> weave together as I'm saying it, because I'm like, there's this multi-dimensional comparison that I'm trying to make. And I hope that people like understand that. Like I will do the things that I have to every day to be the best person that I can be. But but if I'm if I'm focusing on constantly taking that in and that's my comparison, that's my needle, then uh, that's not something that I'm I'm always going to find myself falling short, which is not a terrible place to be in because it makes me want to try hard every day, you know? Yeah, so, yeah it's true. Yeah. Sorry, I keep I keep weaving this weaving this web, but I'm like, no, it's good. That's what it is. (laughs) It's so good. Well, I feel like I could talk to you for a really long time, but it's been a long conversation. So we are gonna wrap it up real quick, though. I want to know. I have two questions for you. Yes. Number one, what is something you really want other people to know about health? Oh, that it's science, but it's not rocket science. That's a tough one, put me on the spot, but I think that that's probably <laughs> like I would tell people that too many people overcomplicate it. Too many people don't see the forest for the trees, but then also don't recognize the nuance that goes into it. So I think that finding what works for you, there's no one box that everybody has to go into. There's a few different boxes that you should try and tick off like like going back to the habits thing there's a few different boxes that you should try and tick off on a pretty regular basis there's very few things that you should readily avoid entirely there's a few things that you should probably you know consume or intake in moderation and then there's a lot that you can eat regularly you know and the same thing goes for activity there's not a lot of inherently bad forms of it There's some stuff that a lot of people probably shouldn't do, but a few people can. And then there's like 
everybody can participate in these activities, you know? So that's an evolution in my training as well. It's like, yeah, you can do what you, whatever it is that you need to get healthy. Don't delude yourself by saying you're trying hard when you're really not, but there's a lot that you can absolutely do. There's no right path. That's good. All right. Last question. Yes. If you could only do one exercise for the rest of your life, what would it be? <laughs> Man, I, ah, that's a good one. Well, my general, like right off the top instinct says bench press, but that just seems terrible. And I kind of want to like, like I've done a lot of bench press. I've competed at a very high level with that, but I, I kind of want to say pull-ups for some reason. That's really what's, uh, what's sticking in my mind right now. Is it um, because pull-ups are more integrated for the rest of your body? That's, uh, that could be, that could be it really. I mean, I, I've always enjoyed them. Uh, and I've always felt like I have a, uh, have a, my back is lacking. I love, I love pull-ups <laughs> and pull-up variations to, uh, to try and continue to grow it, but I'll never be satisfied, but that's a whole nother <laughs> can of worms. I think I'm going to go with pull-ups for that one. All right. I like it. I like it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for this conversation. I'm so excited to release this one. It it was so rich and full of so many good things. It's really going to be hard to put together clips for people. I just want you to know. I'm going to uh, there. Yeah, I'm glad that it was, uh, was a great conversation. It took us a lot of different places. Awesome. Well, thank you again, and we will chat soon. All righty. See ya. That wraps up this week's episode of the Sandbag Queen Show. If you found value, will you share it with the people in your life? Take a screenshot and post it on social. Don't forget to tag at the.sandbag.queen. Or simply hit that share button and send the link to anyone who might like to listen also. I know that's what I tend to do. Don't forget, you're amazing. So get out there. Make good things happen. I'll see you next week on the Sandbag Queen Show.